Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Here's my concern for this case in particular. Number one, nobody in Idaho, as far as the Idaho Crime Lab or the FBI, have an MVAC. Yeah, that's and, a real problem. That's a real problem. Yeah, in my opinion, that's a huge problem. So they need to send it out, send it to a private lab that does. Yeah, well, fortunately, there is an MVAC up in Cheney uh, in the Spokane area. I would hope that they would reach out to them. And frankly, we've, we've reached out to both the University of Idaho and Moscow PD and basically said, hey, if you guys need one, I'll load one up in the back of my car and drive it up there right now. Absolutely, yeah. I would absolutely do that. That could be the key to this whole case. The problem is these guys have no idea what an MVAC is, right? They haven't heard these. (laughs) That's the problem. What's an MVAC? Do some research. That's (laughs) that's the biggest problem is a lot of these guys. And I know FBI ERT teams have requested the MVAC, but for some reason, the FBI, they haven't bought them. So, you know, let alone be trained in one. And to me, that that is probably the number one problem. I mean, you know, Cheryl McCollum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Cheryl is her, one of her mantras, and she said this multiple times, is every case, every tool, every time. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's so, exactly. Use everything. Think outside the box. Don't just try to yeah. keep everything. You know, and speaking to MVAC and not knowing about it, I was just down in your neighborhood about three weeks ago teaching a homicide school in Utah, and I was shocked how many people in that room did not know what an MVAC was. I mean, a few did, but a lot of them did not. And they're right there in your backyard, right? Yeah, well, which is a complete failure on our part, right? <laughs> no, no, but uh, that's because uh, we're not going into what crime labs do what. But, I mean, they need no, to, no, they just need to. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, there's been enough cases that, especially when you're dealing with touch DNA. Right, uh, absolutely. Like the, John, the Dr. John Wall case here in Salt Lake City, you know, where he smothered his ex-wife with a pillow. They tried swabbing that pillow. And they got just a partial DNA profile. Well, once they used the MVAC, they got his full profile. Which, of course, he was estranged from her. That's what made it valuable because his DNA on a pillow in a house he lives in would mean nothing. But he was right. estranged from her and oh, should exactly. not have been there any time. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you would think, it, back to you know this quadruple homicide, you're, you'd think that most likely, especially if this guy has been spurned by one of the girls, that his DNA... There's no reason for his DNA most likely to be in that room. So that's number one. And number two is you're most likely you're also looking at touch DNA. So collecting every cell possible is going to be critical. And if you're stabbing victims, how often can you stab multiple times and not have to grab on to the victim? Well, yeah, you can't. And the other thing is, a lot of times people stabbing when there's so much blood, it gets slippery. They slip and they cut themselves. I've had that happen more than once where the suspect is cut in the, especially in a frenzied stabbing because they mm-hmm. kind of lose control a little bit. And so mm-hmm. that can be huge. Don't yeah, assume all the blood you see in the scene is, the, is the victim's blood, you know? Right. Well, but I'm, I was thinking even with, with handprints, like say, you know, the suspect has so much of the victim's blood on him that the next thing that he grabs onto yeah. is he's leaving a handprint and maybe you'd be able to get a, a decent print from that, but most of the time, probably not. And But even if, say if they've dusted things and they're smeared prints, 
you can still take that tape off and do DNA on the moisture that left the print and see whose it is. You know, you can, unusable prints aren't unusable anymore because you can get DNA from underneath that tape now. Right, right. Well, yeah, and that was my point is that, yes, the majority of that handprint is going to be victim DNA. The suspect's DNA is going to be in there. And, And if you collect that entire handprint, like with using the MVAC, for example, you'd collect enough of that suspect DNA that you should be able to, especially if it's a male yeah. on female, you know, if the, oh, yeah. if the blood is actually one of yeah, the female you, victims, yeah. you can eliminate all of that DNA and just focus on the male DNA. So that's my biggest thing is I'm just like, if this is as violent as everybody is kind of explaining it to me, and I'm seeing that picture of the, they actually have blood streaming down. down yeah. The outside wall. So it I actually seeped all the way through to the outside and it, and was dripping down that's the that, outside yeah. wall. Because there was arterial spurting of blood and stuff, and that's what killed them. They, you know, the, the bright red hitting an artery, it'll spurt out and cause that pooling or running like that, whereas yeah. venous blood is more seeping. But if it's enough that it's actually seeping down an outside wall, yeah. that's got to be a pretty it good a pretty uh, pool of blood. Scene. Yeah, absolutely. No question. So who would you think would be more, the most valuable, blood spatter experts? Well, all blood spatter experts are going to tell you is who, where someone was standing when this happened and where, st- and that's okay. It's valuable. But if you really, the only time it's really important to get the blood spatter expert in there to give you a very precise answer is if you have a story from someone and you think it's false. They say they were there, but they say this happened. Well, you can show it didn't happen through blood spatter. It happened a different way. But otherwise, you know, anybody can read blood spatter in the basic sense as far as movement, which way it was going, because the tail points the direction of emotion and things like that. But if you really want to get the, you know, the trigonometry and everything in that, unless you have a person there claiming one thing happened and you can show it didn't, I don't really know that has much value in this case. Obviously, I think the the DNA obviously is going to be the key by uh, fingernail clippings, you know, defensive things that they did, touch DNA. If the person wasn't wearing gloves, we don't know if they were or not. I just really hope that they don't start eliminating people because that person doesn't fit what the FBI profile says it should be. That's an absolute mistake because they're wrong often. So, I mean, it's just an educated guess. It's not the gospel. So go with the evidence regardless of whether they match what the FBI profile says. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, in this kind of a case, it's, I mean, how often is it just going to be some random serial killer that rolls into Moscow, Idaho, spots these four and just waltz in there and starts killing them? Yeah, I don't think so. And first of all, this doesn't match any known serial cases going on right now, unless, again, it matched that Oregon case. Now, I don't know how far from this scene that Oregon case was a couple of years ago or last year, but uh, where in Oregon it was. But you know, the thing is, you got to start with, it's probably someone who was obsessed about one or more of the girls. You know, they were cute girls, and somebody could do that. And if they're spurned, they go get enraged. Or maybe they go up there thinking they're going to, you know, just talk to them and stuff, and then it gets out of control, and now they're killing people because they think they're witnesses. The other issue is, why did they not kill the other two? And it's probably because they didn't know they were there, you know. Mm-hmm. Is it unusual that the other two wouldn't hear it? No, I would say it's not unusual. Because people are coming and going all hours of the night at that house, and they don't think anything of it. A little knocking and banging wouldn't have even woken them or alerted them. So it certainly yeah. wasn't them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the word is that was a pretty active party house. So 
like you said, there were probably things going on at all hours. All hours of day and night. And and those, those people are just very lucky that they survived this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine somebody that's willing to kill four wouldn't be willing to kill six. Yeah, so. exactly. Unless they were just worn out. Cause that's physically, it's a very difficult thing to do. You know, it's like you're yeah. wrestling, right? But you're wrestling against four different people because they're resisting and stuff. At least maybe the first one wasn't because you got them sleeping, but the rest are fighting you and it's physically difficult. And this person was exhausted. And the other person, this person would have blood all over them when they left. You know, so did somebody see somebody with blood? You'd think in a case like this, it's so well known that if somebody saw somebody with blood, that they'd make the call. And the question is, did they make the call? And it's sitting in a tip pile somewhere and nobody's looked at it. The other thing you want to look for when you're going through tips is you want to look for, take special attention. If you get the same information from two separate sources to look at one person, then you got to really look at that person because you're getting it from two different people, right? A lot of them, you know, a lot of them where I was walking, I was driving down the road and I saw this weird guy in the neighborhood. What do you do with that? Right. Nothing, right? But you might get specifics and they probably have something. Out of those, if you have 800 tips, two or three of them might really be related to the murder, you know, that, but you got to find them. It's separating the wheat from the chaff. Right. Wow. That's a lot of sifting. It is. It is. But you can't have the main detectives do it because they're too busy with other stuff. You got to have somebody else do it, even if it's administrative people. And then it can be reviewed by a supervisor to make sure they did it right. And then the ones that are really important, then you assign detectives to them. Yeah. Well, obviously, they've at least pulled in resources from the state and the FBI. Right. And yeah. you know, I mean, I know they, they need it. You know they need it because they're not equipped for this. They don't have the experience, no. the equipment or anything for this. But no, good for them for calling for help. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which is, like I said, huge kudos to the Moscow PD that they're not trying to do this. They're not trying to do this themselves, but I'm hoping they know know this is way over their head. They know that that doesn't mean they shouldn't be the lead agency, but they need help. Oh yeah. Well, I can imagine there are officers from all over Pullman and everywhere else coming in to, uh, to help out in any way they can, because this is just, I mean, especially you have students, you know, the whole student body is just petrified to even come back to campus. We're right here in the Thanksgiving holiday. And so, you know, as far as that goes, it's good timing. But at the same time, because there have so many students leaving, now you have a whole pool of people that you can't interview. Right, exactly. Well, but you know what? You need to send people to those, to the ones you think are important and interview them. You know, which brings up another point is this whole university thing. These type of crimes, universities are magnets for this type of crime because they have young girls there and things like that. That's where people that are prowling this stuff are going to go. They're going to go to the universities. And like I said, this guy may have done, I would check over at WSU too, across the state line. And if they had any weird events or people threatening people with knives and because it's so close, it's like one town almost, you know, so don't stop oh, your yeah, investigation at state lines. Yeah. There's like 50,000 students within, you know, just a really relatively small area. So, yeah, it's a big school, you know, between Washington State and University of Idaho. And there's a lot of students there. So, well, you know, it's um, I, I hate to just throw out all these speculations, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? I think everybody kind of would benefit from the Cloyd Steiger expertise. And I think we certainly have. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I really hope that they catch this guy because life in Moscow and even Pullman, but that whole Northern Idaho area is just going to be just hell for everybody until they actually catch this guy. Yeah. I'm confident they'll get him pretty, pretty quickly. Nothing else forensically. 
But, you know, start going through the suspects. And again, we're all just speculating because we don't know what it's in the case file. We don't know what information there is. Although, like I said, they've given up way too much information already. Don't fall into the pressure if the police won't tell us anything. Well, there's a reason why, because we don't want to damage our case. No, I think it's really interesting that you would say they've already released too much information. Too much, way too much. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, one thing's for sure, if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, then if you know one of those investigators and you think that, you know, we find out that the MVAC can help, then that is, that's where I come in and, and I'll tell you what, contact us. We would be more than happy to help. So, yeah, absolutely. all right, Cloyd. Thanks, well, Jerry. I appreciate you uh, jumping on, you know, spur of the moment. And um, I, I know you're always ready to talk murder. That's right. That's what I do. (laughs) Right on, buddy. Okay. Well, have a great Thanksgiving and I'm sure we'll run into each other pretty soon. Okay. You too, buddy. Okay. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.